0: the point of where he was. Amen. So context helps us to understand not just scripture, but everything so that we can make better decisions, make corrections in our lives. For example, we should not do the airplane method. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, My father would just open up the Bible and wherever the pages fell, he would just take, close his eyes and take his finger and point to the scripture. Now he he learned better later. But what if he had landed on Matthew 27 and 5 where it told what it said that Judas went hung himself instead of do thyself no harm? So it's important that we read things in context and we don't always just pull things out. What I've learned is that I love origins and histories and I'm nosy. So when dominique minister dominique was teaching last week i was like oh my god this is my favorite story let me read it again with new eyes and and then i was like well how did he get to this place where he almost missed his blessing so so i'm going to share some fun facts with you tonight just for a few minutes um naaman is mentioned twice in the in the bible i did not know that i thought that was his only little story there in uh Second Kings, but Jesus spoke of Naaman in Luke 4 and 27 when he was talking about widespread um, unfaithfulness and unbelief in Israel. Because he says at the time there were lots of lepers then, but Naaman was the only one that was healed. So when I looked at leprosy, it said it affects the nerves, the skin, the eyes, the lining of the nose. Uh, And with early diagnosis and treatment, the disease can be cured. Now that was now, that's now, Uh, but back then there was no cure for it. Um, So the nerve damage would result in a lack of ability to feel pain, which can lead to loss of a person's extremity from repeated injuries or infection through unnoticed wounds. I was like, oh Lord. He's really talking to us. An infected person may also experience muscle weakness and poor eyesight. And it's often translated as leprosy, this illness of affliction, which is not the same as today. Uh, I believe it was Wikipedia said leprosy as known today did not come to ancient Israel until Alexander the Great when he returned from his trip from India. So sometimes it's important to know where things come from. I mean. Some of this stuff, it's amazing to me. And now that we um, see who Naaman was, and just as Minister Sam was saying, that he was a general in the Syrian army. He was under King King Ben-Hadad. Says he was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. You know, He had a good reputation with his boss, but this is what stuck out to me for the very first verse. By him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. Now, I did some some studies, and from what I knew, I knew that Syria and Israel were always fighting. There was always a war. There was always something going on. But the fact that the Lord used this man uh, to get Israel straight was, I mean, considered an enemy. This was amazing to me. It says he was a mighty man of valor. God used him, but he was a leper. Everybody knew it because it was visible. He could not hide it. So it did not matter how great, no matter his rank or how many victories he had won, even though it was authorized by the Lord himself, he was still a leper. So what I would like to leave with you all about this story is why was there a longstanding war with Syria and Israel, so you can write this down, um, it's 2nd Chronicles, the 8th chapter, and I'm just going to pull out some details from, um, from there that kind of gives you some information, so it says, now Jehoshaphat had great wealth and honor, and he allied himself with Ahab by marriage, his son married Athaliah, Jezebel and Ahab's daughter if you know anything about Ahab and Jezebel and how the Lord hated how they allowed idolatry to rule the nation the nation that God had chosen for his glory so Ahab was the king of Israel and they were getting ready to go uh, to battle he wanted to go um, up against Ramah Gilead now the Syrians had already taken that territory and here was Ahab he wanted to get it back So because Jehoshaphat was like in the family, his son married Ahab's daughter. And so, okay, we family, how can I get to, how can I help you? So he said, well, I need you to come with me. I need you to help me fight this battle. And it's amazing to me how sometimes we can always pull in people because they're posse or on our side and we don't do what Jehoshaphat did in this case. Jehoshaphat said, I'll, I'll fight with you, but let's seek the counsel of the Lord. So Israel brought together all the prophets. They brought all their prophets together, 400 prophets. And he said, shall we go to war against them? And they said, yeah, come on, because God is going to give it to your hand. And he said, no, I don't want i don't want to hear it from them. Is, is there a prophet of the Lord? So they brought Micaiah and on and on and on. And he said, I don't like him because he don't ever tell me anything good. He always prophesies evil about me. And Micaiah starts to say what they want to hear. And then he's rebuked by saying, no, let's just give us the word of the Lord. Anyway, the word of the Lord was that they were going to be scattered and that they would be killed. And that was the word of the Lord. And just like they said it, just like he said it, Israel was defeated. Ahab was killed. And this was, um, this is where I believe may have, that's not scripture. It doesn't name, name Naaman per se, but I believe it could have been that he was part of this conquest. Anyway, so here we are. They had gone on raids and they happened to bring back. Here we are back in second Kings five. They had gone on raid raised and they bring back the slave girl from Israel. And she became the servant of Naaman's wife. Now, can you imagine that? She has been abducted. She is telling her kidnappers how Naaman could be healed. I don't know if, if we could do that. I don't know if we would have as much uh, grace as she exhibited, but here she is telling uh, Naaman's wife that you know there's a prophet in, in Israel and he could really heal you and so she tells Naaman, Naaman goes to king Ben-Hadad and tells him all about how to get healed and then well of course why wouldn't the king deny him he had been on many successful military campaigns he had won some battles so he wrote a letter and gave it to Naaman and Naaman took it to the king of Israel Ahab's son So here he is, he's leaving. He's going to an enemy to get help. He takes the letter and he brings all these gifts. And King Jehoram gets scared because he's like, look, I know y'all killed my daddy and we still lost that property. This is a trap. And why are you trying to be nice all of a sudden? So the king tore his clothes, but the prophet Elisha heard about it and then told him not to be afraid. Send Naaman to me. Naaman goes to the prophet's house and then his expectation is destroyed. But how did he get there? Because he got weary on the journey. When I did my research, it was 267 miles from Damascus to Israel. I don't know how long it took him to get there, but that's a whole lot of miles. Then he gets to Damascus, and from there, it's another 37 miles. On horses or camel, I don't know, but it's still a long ways to go. From Samaria to the Jordan, it's another 32 miles. So by then, he's all excited, he's ready to go. He says, Ooh, I've come this far. This is it. I'm finna get my healing. And he drives up to the prophet's house, and the prophet don't even come outside. Gehazi comes out and tells him, yeah, well, the prophet said you got to go down to the river, to the Jordan. And he's like, I didn't come all these many miles for, for you to just tell me that I have to go another place for my healing. But he had another thought on his way home. He had to consider to lose that pride. And to not be so caught up in the miles in the journey or how long it took. And I know sometimes in the things that we go through, we get, we get tired, we get weary, we get frustrated, we are trying to figure out, Father, look, what? This, what? What else do you want me to do? I'm your daughter, I'm your child. What else do you want me to do? So we start stacking up the miles to let the Lord know as if he doesn't already, what we've accomplished and nothing that we've accomplished will ever get us to the point of the place of healing and deliverance and freedom. And he had to go through this. So now that pride was gonna keep him from getting God's promises, like what? Pride brings that false expectation It has us believing we're going to get delivered one way or freed one way or the breakthrough is going to come one way. Maybe it's not even sickness. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just something else. How are our kids going to go forward? How are we getting that child? How is he going to fare without us? All these are the things that, you know, we lend our hand in dependency. And God is saying, take your hands off of that. Take your hands off of that outcome of how you think I'm going to move. Getting rid of the false expectation because God always has a better way. Getting rid of the frustration from the long journey. Sometimes years we prayed and we waited and every time it looks like this is gonna be the breakthrough then the rug is pulled out from under us. Frustration and fatigue can be our enemy. And we need to look at that because a lot of times we know things don't go well when we're tired. We know when we have that edge and we haven't had that sleep or that coffee. We are monsters on the run. So the Lord is always trying to get us to the place, not just um, dealing with the pride, but also dealing with our false expectations, dealing with the frustration, dealing with the fatigue. And then we can get to a place of obedience, because it wasn't when he lost the dis-ease, that uncomfortable place of being in rebellion and disobedience, then he lost his pain, and then he lost the shame. So everything that was visible to everybody vanished, because he humbled himself and allowed um, the Lord's way and his provision to breakthrough. That's the real breakthrough is the humility and and destroying the pride and releasing ourselves to the Lord. So this really blessed me and I'm I'm going to be done with it It says Christian theology depicts naming as an example for the will of God to save people who are considered by men as less than pious or unworthy of salvation. The Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament uses the word baptisan. For the dipping that heals the heathen Naaman from the skin disease of leprosy. The new baptism takes place in the Jordan River, where Jesus of Nazareth, also called Christ by his followers, was baptized many years later. So there's a connection that when we decide that we would be obedient, what looks like an unclean place or a nasty place or not... A fitting place um, can lead us from our own stuff to the place where Jesus will baptize us in our obedience. So I praise God. Give that back to you, Sam.
1: Thank you so much, Apostle Pamela, for sharing. That was wonderful. That was amazing because it really gave context to what we learned Last week, and it gives more understanding to why Naaman felt the way that he did. It wasn't just pride, it was frustration, it was exhaustion. He had already gone through so much at that point, which explains why he would have a reaction in that way. And thank you, thank you so much for providing that context. It makes the passage more clear. Um, it just gives a, a different perspective. And I so, so appreciate you um, for sharing the background information. So um, in, in summary, um, I just want to say that I hope we've noticed the trend here of everything that we've been talking about as it relates to healing. Um, one aspect that we touched on tonight is the timing you know, the timing may not align to what we expect. So we've talked about how we can be healed many different ways. We can be healed through different people, you know, um, through different aspects, some of them conventional, some of them unconventional through different timings, but we have to be in a place where we're able to receive the healing, um, in whatever way that God sees fit. Right. So, um, One thing that I just want to make sure that we grasp tonight, if we don't learn anything else, is that healing does not always come in the way that we expect. Um, One of the things that I was meditating on today is, have you ever seen the way that a wound heals? It heals from the inside first. And a lot of times, like Naaman, we wanted that that quick healing, you know, Um, we want the appearance of healing and not necessarily the inward healing, but God wants to heal us inwardly. He wants to heal us from the inside out. He wants us to experience a lasting healing where we don't walk in. Paranoia. We don't walk in comparison and competition like somebody just said in fear and bitterness and unforgiveness or hurt or defensiveness, but we experience the true healing of God from the inside out. So right now we're going to hear from Minister Dominique, who has some reflections of healing that she's going to share with us tonight.
2: Thank you so much. Um, Good evening, everyone. And on behalf of Apostle Teresa Harvard-Johnson and the Scarborough Conservatory team, we welcome you. Thank you so much, um, Apostle Pamela, for that awesome historical context. And thank you, Minister Sam. Um, Father, we thank you for this time of fellowship. We thank you, God, because we say that you are perfect in all of your ways. You are beautiful in all of your ways. We honor you tonight. We thank you for uh, oneness. We thank you for the finished work of Christ. And we just declare and decree um, that let there be light. That is our declaration for this evening. We thank you that the entrance of your word gives light. We thank you for the illumination and the enlightenment of our heart. We thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And we thank you that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish the purposes that you sent it out to do in Jesus name, amen. So you all, I am going to actually jump very quickly into a uh, particular scripture that I'm going to screen share. And this is, um, as Apostle Pamela and Minister Sam has shared, it has to do with reflections from healing. And so these reflections are going to be very diverse in terms of uh, reflections from healing from various angles. And then we will go from there. And so if you can turn your Bible to, uh, we're going to actually look at, Uh, Mark, hmm, I'm going to see where I want to go with this first. Let's actually go to John 5, verses uh, 5 through 12. I'm going to read it very quickly, and I'm going to screen share it. And I highly recommend, um, if you haven't already, it's a very familiar passage of scripture. But if you haven't already, please go look at it on your own. But there's a certain place that I really want to highlight. So we're looking at, again, John 5. Can you all see this? can anyone see it?
1: Yes, we can see
2: it now. Okay, great. So John five, and here we go. There was a certain man there at the pool of Bethesda who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus noticed him lying there helpless, knowing that he had been in that condition a long time, Jesus said to him, do you want to get well? The invalid man answered, sir, sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I am coming to get into it myself, someone else steps down ahead of me. Now, this next scripture, the next three are what I want us to hone in on. Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your pallet or your bed and walk. Immediately, the man was healed and recovered his strength and picked up his pallet, his better mat, and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. And you are not permitted to pick up your pallet because it is unlawful. Again, focal point is verse eight, nine, and 10. Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your pallet and walk. Immediately the man was healed and recovered his strength and picked up his pallet and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, it is Sabbath and you are not permitted to pick up your pallet because it is unlawful. You all, there is a lot that could be said about this passage but I feel like that I wanna zone in on one particular uh, part of that as it relates to um, this evening. And again, if I had to title this, it would just be called Reflections of Healing, Reflections of Healing. I want you to notice here in that particular scripture that I I realized in my life, I'm gonna back up for a second, y'all. I don't wanna get too ahead of myself. I realized in my life that there were times that the Lord Jesus had actually healed me. Holy Spirit had healed me, but what actually was not healed was my systems. And I had believed for a long time that perhaps I wasn't healed until Holy Spirit revealed to me, it's not that you aren't healed, it's that the systems that you have set up and that unhealed state remain the same. And so I wanna differentiate tonight between, we're talking about reflections of healing. I wanna differentiate between you being healed tonight and your system. So I'm just gonna read you a few thoughts that Holy Spirit shared with me. Has your system become an idol to your healing? Now, look at the uh, screen um, here. You are going to see that as I kept repeating the word pallet, bed, mat, I want you to begin to look at it from a different angle tonight. The pallet, bed, and mat is actually what we would call a system. Okay, stay with me because we're going somewhere with this. A system. Okay, look at, pick up your pallet and walk, but I'm going to rephrase what Jesus said to the man. Jesus said to the man, get up, pick up your system and walk. Immediately that man was healed and recovered his strength and he picked up his system and he walked. Now that day was a Sabbath. So the Jews kept saying to the man who had been healed, it is Sabbath and you are not permitted to pick up your system because it is unlawful. Now, I found that context to be very, very important because I'll give you a, a perfect example. There was a time, uh, many seasons in my life where I was battling depression. The Lord broke the weight in the back of that off of my life, right? But yet the systems of dysfunction that I had set up to accommodate the unhealed state remained even after I was healed. And so the challenge for tonight is um, to shift our mindset to say, perhaps I've been thinking that I'm not healed, but really I am. Perhaps, in fact, it is the system that I never altered to accommodate the new healed space that I am in. And I believe this is what the Lord wants to share with us this evening. And so here I have, are the things that you've been relying on toxic for you in this season? There are things and systems that worked for you on one season that may now prove to be toxicity in this season. A teething ring for a baby is wonderful for the season of life that the child is in, but if the baby, if the child is 15 years old on a teething ring, what was once beneficial now becomes toxic. And I believe that this is this is a space we're finding ourselves in because. I believe that the scripture that says you are already cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you, you are already healed. But could it be possible that you have mistaken your, you might have thought that you were not healed when, in fact, it was just that you had not yet picked up your system. You had not yet accommodated your system. So back to the example I was giving about the depression. Um, Anyone who's really battled depression, you know it can be very challenging sometimes to even get out of bed, Okay. Let's let's be honest here. It could be very, I mean, it could be very, very, very difficult. Now, when God broke the back of that heaviness off of my life, do you not know that I found myself still laying around in my bed late? I really want to make this practical because maybe you can begin to look at your life and say, what systems that helped me to survive in one season are no longer accommodating to me in this current season? And and what's really interesting is I was laying there in bed one day, real story, y'all, and I heard Holy Spirit basically say to me, you are healed, but your system is still unhealed. And so I think it's very interesting because I'm going to pull up this scripture one more time and I'm going to show you something that I thought was really, really cool. So let's look at verse 10. Notice what the religious people said to the man. Notice that they never commented on his healing first. Listen to what they targeted. So the Jews said to the man, it is Sabbath and you are not permitted to pick up your system. So, so I, I believe tonight that there's a prophetic mandate for God to heal our systems and the way that we have accommodated ourselves to survive in times past. I feel like that there's a clarion call for us to begin to address our systems. And so I wanted to give you the, the example about the depression because it's very important that you don't just say, oh, okay, well, this is great. But then you don't apply it to your own life in, term, in, in the ways that you need it to be. And so these are some of the questions that I, that I heard for you. Are you able to acknowledge that a system that you used to accommodate you in the past is now toxic to you in this current season. For example, maybe in a past season and seasons of abuse, you isolated and you did that because it helped you to survive. But now God is calling you to community. So what do you do, folks, when God has healed you, but your systems remain unhealed? And the Bible says that Jesus didn't just say, get up and walk the Bible says that Jesus told the man get up and take your system and walk. And so I I believe that um, the Lord wants to heal systems tonight. Uh, The question becomes, what systems have you set up to survive? Even now, um, actually I sense this, that I just declare and decree that, um, you know, we are willing to release our systems of survival. Because God is calling us into a new system. And it's really interesting because when you think about systems, that's also the thing and it's unhealed state that religion uses to keep people captive. And so I found it fascinating that the Jews did not say to the man anything about his healing. They were stuck on his system. And so when the scripture talks about um, whom the son sets free is free indeed, I think that the free part is the Lord healing us. The free indeed part is you adjusting your systems. Come on, y'all. And so the question that I have written down here for you is that, are you willing to acknowledge what helped you to survive in a past season, but is now choking you in this season? The umbilical cord was was helpful for the usage of the season that you were in, but in this current season, God is saying, not only do I want to heal you, but I want to heal your system. And so um, this is the place where we find ourselves in. And I think that it's really, really, really important to make this thing practical for you. I've given you two or three examples. But now look at your own life and ask yourself, what systems have I set up to survive? But I feel like that the Lord is saying it is safe to come out now. And that some of us have been so, you know, so good, just so cut on survival, and it's no condemnation. We've all been in a time where we had to survive, but now God is calling us to thrive. And the only way that we can thrive is if we not only receive our healing by faith, but if we're willing to accommodate the system um, and, and, and change the system that we have set up for our prior survival. And so I I, I wrote here, the the spot you've been in is too small for you now. Uh, You all know the old adage, right? When the horse is dead, dismount. Okay. When the horse is dead, dismount. But I think sometimes that could be really challenging because we have connected with these systems that actually were good in a prior season. And that's the thing that's so interesting. It's not that, it's not that, you know, this, this, Caterpillar cocoon was evil inherently. It's just that I've grown beyond that space. And now it would prove toxic for me to stay in that particular space. And so are we accommodating, are you accommodating, am I accommodating an antiquated unhealed state? Um, And and again, I I do want to acknowledge and be empathetic towards, you know, it it really is sometimes challenging to uh, reconcile how a system that was actually helpful in a prior season has now become um, toxic. It's now become uh, 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 dangerous um, for this, um, this space that you are in now. Now, a couple of other uh, reflections. And when you can, please go back at that John scripture. I think it's going to just illuminate. Um, You know, it's kind of like the war being over, and yet we still find ourselves fully clothed to fight. God is saying rest, and we're still fully armed because we don't believe that we are safe anymore. We don't believe that we're safe still. And um, it's just really, really important to say tonight that I just release the old systems. I release the God of my systems, the systems that have become my God. And instead, I receive God, the God who's saying to you, the systems have been the top priority so that you can survive. But now I want to be the top priority. And, and there needs to be practical adjustment to systems. So um, there are, are uh, several other points that I want to bring out to you. But before we get to that, um, I. I recognize that you know there are perks to being unhealed, quote unquote. For example, attention, uh, pity. Some people who are 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 crippled, they get more help. Okay, it depends on which way you look at it. But the point that I'm trying to make is the that healing comes with the responsibility, and it and, and you know it's so easy to judge this man by the pool of Bethesda, and and until I realized that um, it it makes perfect sense. Because what's fascinating to me is that when I read in between the scriptures, okay, what I see then is that there was a whole system that this man was living under to be there for 38 years, but the scripture never says it. For example, have you ever asked yourself, how did the man eat those 38 years? How did he do other things that he needed to do those 38 years? And so I'm looking in between the scriptures, the scriptures don't speak on it, but that's the point, that there had to be systems to accommodate his dysfunction. And the question becomes, are there systems in your life that are accommodating dysfunction when God has healed you, but now the system is still unhealed? Um, I believe that there is a such thing called toxic positivity. And if it's not, then maybe I just made it up, but you understand the point. Toxic Positivity, and I believe that we're in a place now where, where the Lord is saying toxic positivity will rob you of maturity. Okay, and so all of this um, constant um, need for affirmation and all those type things, I'm, I, I, I am, um, you know, empathetic for the spaces that that we find ourselves in, but I'm just saying that at some point, the system something needs to be done with the system. And I believe that that's actually what happened when Christ died on the cross, going back to what we were saying about the religious systems. Um, and so it's important to acknowledge that. Now, I only have a few more minutes, but I will just, um, just write these down. The, the next point is that, of course, when we heal, it's important to also adjust the systems that were once used to accommodate our unhealed spaces. And I already gave you those examples for that. Um, and, you know, healing is not linear. And I just want to encourage you all this evening as we close, because I'm almost at time, even though I'm nowhere close to being finished but um uh, I just want to encourage you all not to discount the uh the level of healing that actually has occurred just because you haven't seen the fullness of it manifested, and I encourage you not to stop in the in the middle but but to move beyond. Uh, we receive it by faith, right? But to also make the practical adjustments of your daily system necessary to accommodate your um, new space that God has called you into. And so um, in conclusion, I just believe that um, it is time for us to surrender systems of dysfunction used to accommodate our dysfunction because God has said that we are healed. And um, I believe that the fullness of that healing is um, you know, already done, but it's also contingent upon our ability to say this system served me in a time past, or maybe it never did. Who knows, right? But the point is, is that this system has to be adjusted now. Am I using the system as collateral for my value? Am I using the system as collateral for my value? And the very last point Um, that I want to make tonight is I had a a massive surgery uh, several years ago. And I got the shock of my life when I recognized in that hospital after my surgery that the recovery was actually more painful than the condition. And if in fact, I did not know that um, it still meant I was healing, I could have stopped taking the medications needed at this time. I could have stopped doing a whole lot of stuff because it didn't look like what I had in mind. Um, I was really frustrated because I'm like, this is worse than a condition. I could have just stayed with the come on, y'all. I could have just stayed with the condition. And so I, I wanna encourage you. Those who feel like you are backtracking or when will things ever change? It is very important to know that all fruit is not external and that the Lord is, is, is perfecting something in you and it will not be thwarted. And that, um, and that it is okay to grieve um, in, in the different spaces of healing. And I think that that's not talked about that often. There is a grief that accompanies a lot of um, dimensions of healing. Uh, And so all I have to say to you is pick up your pallet, pick up your bed, pick up your mat and walk, not just walk. Don't, Don't forget to adjust the system
0: in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Thank you so much, Minister Dominique, for sharing that um before we get to taking questions or you know any commentary that someone may have or any additional um comments that anyone wants to share I just want to read something really quick um to encourage you guys um it's something I wrote years ago but I just wanted to hopefully encourage um your spirit tonight spirit of truth being in every back alley every hidden crevice, every dark place and unveil the unpublished journal entries of our hearts, nipped and tugged deep within further than any old surgeon could find. Camouflaging as one of the heart's chamber valves, but really stocked up gunk, keeping the blood from flowing, keeping his blood from flowing. So Lord, triple bypass my always bypass heart, sedate me with your Holy Spirit anesthesia and transplant this broken heart. Spirit of truth, reveal every lie that disguises itself as truth, believing fear was my friend, accepting failures as my fate, not knowing my future was already formed in the potter's palm. Spirit of truth, counter, conquer, and cast down every thought, every imagination, every knowledge that forecasts cloudiness concerning my calling, my purpose, my reason for breathing. Spirit of truth, heal. The wounds, men, the self-inflicted autographs on my skin, each time signing a different name, hoping to find my identity, even though Christ was already bruised for me. So with each strike, I bruise myself. I'm bruising Christ's body over and over again. But Lord, permeate my skull and let this last carving be your word onto my cerebrum. Spirit of truth free free me from this jail cell engulfed by walls of shame doubt guilt unforgiveness suffocating in my own hurt release me from these cords of sorrow strokes of bitterness and beats of death fooling me with promises that one more pill one more drink one more cut will take the pain away spirit of truth speak life where i have cursed my grounds and others have burned down my forests. replenish the barren land that is my soul Saturate my soil with your love. Plant my feet in your word, cultivate joy. Turn this desert into abundant fields and overflowing springs of prosperity, purpose, and peace. Spirit of truth reign over every wave of emotion that stirred up overnight sea pillows and riverbeds when sleeping easily becomes drowning in a flood of tears by the smallest drop of a trigger swimming at our own risk because there was never a lifeguard on duty so as the sun faithfully kisses the skies each morning let your spirit rise in me and as day breaks away the once prominent glow of the night let your old man take its last breath